You're listening to the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, episode 87, featuring special guest Jennifer Apple of the Band's Visit National Tour. Let's get started. everyone this is maggie vera and welcome to another episode of the actor aesthetic podcast if this is your first time joining us then welcome the actor aesthetic podcast is produced every single week for your enjoyment and show notes are found at actoraesthetic.com podcast you can also follow me on instagram at actor aesthetic or join our facebook group the actor aesthetic tribe all links are in the show notes now let's get on to the show Did you know that Actor Aesthetic has an online store? You can now search through the Actor Aesthetic shop to find downloadable cover letter samples, resume templates, audition journal spreadsheets, and hundreds of audition song suggestions categorized by voice type and genre. Level up your audition game and go to actoraesthetic.com slash shop. Well, hey, friends, it's Maggie. I hope this episode finds you well. Today, I got to chat with the equally hilarious and brilliant Jennifer Apple. Jennifer is a multi-hyphenated artist who hails from New York City. She currently plays the role of Anna in the Band's Visit National Tour and has performed at regional theaters like Chautauqua Theater Company, ACT, Goodspeed Musicals, and Pennsylvania Shakespeare Festival. She's appeared on TV in New Amsterdam and holds an MFA in acting from the American Conservatory Theater. In this episode, I chat with Jennifer about her experience on tour, how and why she decided to go back to school to study for her MFA, and her best advice for aspiring actors pursuing a career in the theater industry. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy our chat. Thank you, Jennifer, for joining us today. Where are you in quarantine right now? Ah, Thank you for having me. I am (laughs) currently in uh, Santa Monica in California. Santa Monica, beautiful Santa Monica. What's the weather like there today? It's actually quite nice. I, I didn't realize LA could be a little bit more moody than it has been. You know, I'm not a weather woman, but in my guesstimate, <laughs> I'd say that it's probably like late 60s, yeah. low 70s. But where did you grow up initially? I grew up in New York. Yeah, very different. Yeah. <laughs> very different. Right. So how did, you, how did you initially get involved in theater? Oh, um, how does anyone? I um, don't know. <laughs> honestly. <laughs> Um, I've, I've, I've been singing since I could probably speak or maybe yeah. I don't, you know, who remembers when you're that small. Um, <laughs> but eventually I you know, started taking singing lessons when I was like seven. Mm-hmm. I was the girl that was singing at all the high school events, um, eventually thrown into community theater. Then I went to theater camp. Then in high school, I made the choice between sports and theater and obviously theater one. Then yeah, in undergrad, I didn't go for a BFA program. I went to a liberal arts school, but I focused on theater, um, acting okay. and directing and also creative writing and philosophy double minor. <laughs> you know, why not? Really, why not? Yeah. Why not lean into the liberal arts with degrees that just say you learned? Yeah, I feel like in college, I was like, okay, this is a thing that can be a little bit more professional. When I, mm-hmm. I graduated, I moved back to New York and was mostly doing regional musical theater and really wanted to pivot 
um, into more, you know, Shakespeare straight plays on camera work. And a mentor of mine was like, you should probably apply to grad school. And I was like, mm. oh, okay, why not? And so I did. And then I went and I got my MFA in acting. Where did you um, go for your MFA? Uh, the American Conservatory Theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it's just, I've, I've, in some ways, it's just, it's really kind of a boring story just because <laughs> it, it kind of all makes sense, you know? <laughs> like, I'm proud of it. I'm not, I'm not mad yeah, at yeah, it. Yeah. Also, you know, it wasn't like one day I quit my, you know, Olympic swim yeah. team and was like, this was the thing that was calling me. You know, it's not as inspiring, <laughs> I feel. I could rewrite that. No one's really going to fact check me. You can rewrite. Yeah, you, sh- you sure could. I just no would know. Yeah. Yep. Here we go. Great. Professional summer and now yeah. not. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you your decision behind going back to school for an MFA because I know you were pursuing a career yeah. in theater prior to that. Correct. Yeah. And it was working. I mean, it wasn't not mm-hmm. working. I was, I was a working actor. Um, yeah. And I, I was really grateful for that. I was working at some incredible places as well, developing mm-hmm. work and um, things were happening. It just, I think, was a little bit slower yeah. than maybe I would have liked. Um, I think the grad school decision, it, even when I got into, I got into two different schools, and when I was deciding, even then, I wasn't sure I wanted to go. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I remember asking the head of my program that I ended up choosing, um, being like, hey, I'm, I'm actually not sure I want to do this. Do you have any students who I could speak to who might be able to speak on it? And in, interestingly enough, she connected me to somebody who, having gone to school with him, I was like, this is wild. You connected me to him. He was the most like rebellious anti-school person. But I think she understood that that's actually what I needed to hear, which was somebody who had worked professionally in the industry who decided to just kind of halt, you know, in quotes, whatever Mm -hmm. that was to go back to school. And, uh, you know, when I asked him like, is it worth it? He's like, yeah. I was Mm -hmm. like, would you do it again? He's like, yeah, you'll hate everything about it. And you really, you'll, and I was like, this is my person. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Like, great. I I so feel that I energetically relate to that, that it's something that I totally should do. I will not regret it, but also like I'll hate a lot of it. So that was what I needed to hear. I didn't need the sugarcoating. Um, so yeah, it was not something I ever really thought I was going to do. I had applied with the hopes and, you know, uh, in, in theory that something would happen. And if it didn't, like my life would have continued and I would have continued working. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just kind of keeping my options open and seeing what, what came about. What sort of stuff did you guys focus on in that program? Cause you studied for MFA in acting, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, the program is founded in the classics. So in Shakespeare, yeah. um, specifically, um, so our entire second year of the third year program is really all about that work and really delving into the classical texts. Um, but the one thing about ACT is it's not like one focus of your training like it's not just Meisner it's not just Stanislavski it's you get kind of an amalgamation of a bunch of different training from the various professors that we have Hmm. um it is obviously focused on the acting versus say the singing or the dance but we had dance classes we had voice lessons our entire training um you know there were various performances that required us to use say dance and singing skill sets um but we did you know it was a physical theater clowning mass work um obviously the classics, and then obviously contemporary stuff as well, dialects, a lot of dialects, um, breaking down texts, mm-hmm. you know, you know, for three years, you got a history, you know, <laughs> I don't even know. Um, it really, it was all inclusive. Yeah, that's, that's really helpful to know. 
for people, you know, who are actually not sure that's something that they need, mm -hmm. I, not to, I mean, I'm not, you know, in, on the acceptance board of any school, but from mm -hmm. my experience, having been on the other side of the table and watched auditions, um, there isn't, I mean, it's the same thing for auditions in general, but there isn't desperation of, I need this so badly. I need this right now. There's a bit more of a collaborative and present mindset I've found for people who mm -hmm. are like, maybe this is something I could pursue versus the people that are like, if I don't get it, I mean, I guess it's a life lesson really, but yeah, but that's so important to know because it's, it's the same thing for when kids are auditioning for BFA programs, you know, there's a massive difference between I need to get into the school and here I am. Yeah, but I coach, that's a huge thing that I emphasize too, which is like, you need to love the work that you're doing to protect yeah. the audition versus like the stress around the audition process, which is incredibly overwhelming. And everybody's anxiety levels are like flying off the walls and they're hitting you in the face. And like, how do you you know, keep yourself in a lovely little serene bubble of like, yeah. you are enough. I know that you grew up in New York City, but your transition out of undergrad and even after your MFA program, what was it like going from living with your family and then all of a sudden to having an apartment in New York City? Yeah. Um, well, I did move home for a little bit because yeah many humans you have to save. I did it too. <laughs> I mean, honestly, there's no shame. Like any, no. it was like, I don't, you know, I just like want to make the, take the plunge. Well, absolutely. If you can afford to do that. Amazing. If you need a second to just collect your bearings and like have a little bit of a cushion so you don't completely fall on your face, do that too. You know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I moved home for a bit, which, you know, right outside in Westchester, um, isn't particularly difficult to commute. I did yeah. that commute for high school, you know, so it was something I was very used to. Um, so I'd say I was at home. Was it maybe almost like a, almost a year? Mm -hmm. Might've been like almost a year before I officially moved in. Obviously it was commuting in on in obs for obscene hours for auditions, mm -hmm. especially as a non-union person at the time. <laughs> um, but the transition to have my own apartment, it was incredible. You know, like I finally got to be in the city that I, I'd grown up basically in, you know, but not actually with my own autonomous self and, mm -hmm. you know, going and meeting friends, going on dates, like, mm -hmm. you know, walking around the park, eating at my favorite restaurant, like all of that stuff. Just, it felt like I had worked really hard for that. And finally I had something for myself that was like my own space that I, you know, it's like the next step in growing up. I, I think it's important. Yeah. At that time, did you, were you signed with an agent yet or did that come later? Still hasn't come girl. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Um, no, I'm, I've been, I've been freelancing with um, a commercial agent for a, okay. a while. Um, and that's been amazing. And I adore them to absolute pieces. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of legit rep, I um, representation, I have never had that. Um, I mean, there are many things like I could be like, it was because of this or because of that. I feel like now um, it's more a matter of uh, I, I really, really value who I want to be a partnership with. Absolutely. Um, but I think in the beginning, maybe it was the fact that I was coming out of a liberal arts school that didn't necessarily have that those connections or even the understanding of like how the, more the industry works. They've since changed, you know, and understood that that's really what needs to happen to support their students. But when I was there, it really wasn't that way. Um, so I had met throughout various points in my time in New York with different agents. They never really came to fruition or I didn't jive with them or it wasn't a good fit. Sure. Um, but 
you know, I will say like having done a lot of what I've, everything, everything that I've done, on <laughs> literally everything, um, even my friends who have representation, the majority of the work that they are booking is from either connections that they have made, the networks that they have built, the friends who love and support them dearly. So even when and if you do have an agent, your work as an actor trying to hustle and find these things for yourself never ends, nor should it end. I feel like that's where the relationship with your agent goes to die. Um, you know, it should be a complete partnership. Would I have loved to have had one for like negotiating? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. But sure. now do I understand that side of the table a lot more and can probably be a better asset when I hopefully do get representation in understanding what I can do or can make happen? I, I would think so. Because now I've had to literally go through a contract on my own, you know, call up like a lawyer friend and be like, help me. And mm -hmm. try out, you know? Mm -hmm. How did you... How did you initially earn your equity card? Was it through regional work? It was at ACT. It's yeah. part of the program. Um, our third year in grad school, they always do a production of A Christmas Carol. Yeah. And they always put the student, the um, third year students in it so that they can get their cards. Wow, that's and, awesome. Yeah, so it's built mm -hmm. into the program. It, it's kind of worked with other opportunities. Prior to that, like now they, they've been putting MFAs in various shows either before that or after that. But either way, like you will guarantee, guarantee your time at ACT with an equity card. Wow. Um, so I left grad school with that in hand. Mm -hmm. Was that through uh, the way that they offer that? Is that through just the contract or is it through EMC points because of how no, it's, it's a contract? It's a contract. I had acquired, I had a lot of equity points before that. Yeah. Um, just having worked at different regional equity houses. Sure. Um, I was also an AGMA member, mm -hmm. which there's a, when I joined, well, who knows who's listening to this, but when I joined, <laughs> there was a bit of a loophole. Um, I don't know if it's the same, but yeah, listen, I think it still might be. I, it's a wonderful thing. They're a sister union. Um, and I, I, a little birdie had told me that if you join AGMA, which was like a $500 fee for the year, you can use your AGMA card to audition for equity. Correct. Uh, and, and I was like, well, we don't have a lot of control <laughs> in this career. So if this means I get seen, then I'm going to do it. And it was the best thing I ever did. I think, and then a lot of people started doing it. And mm -hmm. um, I think now you have to like wait a year before that membership applies. But frankly speaking, I mean, I was, I became in essence like a non-actual, but kind of somewhat glorified, not actual equity member. I mean, I booked like a show at good speed from an EPA that I went to as an AGMA member, but they were able yeah. to hire me as a non-union member. Oh. So for them, it was cheaper, but for me, I got to work at Goodspeed. Every other person who was in my cast either had representation yeah. or had worked there before or like knew a person or whatever it was. I was the only person who got it from the EPA. And do you think you would have been seen at that EPA if you were non-equity? Lord, no, absolutely yeah. not. The show that it was the theory of relativity and every single person was like my age, Everybody who, because it was not specific about type or it was just like yeah. a young cast. Age, yeah. We're building it, you know? So I, it was my, I remember this, it was my birthday and I showed up at the, you know, still the butt crack of dawn and <laughs> I, I ended up getting an appointment in like the 10, 15 a.m. group, hmm. um, which was really early. Yeah. But, you know, I, I remember that distinctively and I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't, frankly, take 
some opportunities into my own hands and whether people agree with it or not, honestly, I mean, that's for them to decide for themselves, but like, I, I had no other options if I wanted to get seen for things that I was very right for. I mean, it's become even more apparent that if you're non-union and you're trying to get seen at these certain calls, it's just impossible. It just won't happen. Yeah. I'm, you know, I love the fan of, I mean, I've booked even when, again, when I was non-union, I, mm -hmm. maybe I'll just give my secret little tips if anybody wants <laughs> to reach out. But you know, I was, I was really, I was going through back doors of so much stuff. Like I was going sure. on the MTI website, seeing what shows I wanted to be a part of, who had the licenses for these shows and preemptively so reaching out, yes. which still works friends. If you yes, were like, on union, no one sees me. Well, guess what? I'm sorry. Like I don't want to wait in line at five in the morning. No one's doing their best. It's over again for me. It's like energetically. I wanted, I want to crawl into a hole and really melt you know yeah. so it's like instead of doing that like go home self-tape yourself doing dope material for shows and parts that you are right for have it on the ready and like self-submit like a crazy person you know <sighs> i did book, i booked lady of the lake and spam a lot uh -huh. from a video submission to a theater that i knew was doing it i booked um fiddler on the roof um at pen shakes um amazing through i mean, that was kind of a little bit of like i had a person from muhlenberg i mean pension sure. close to where my undergrad was but like even still like it was again like a video submission of me reaching out on behalf of myself to do it you know mm -hmm. so then this was pre like when self-tapes were like really a thing now it's like i imagine most actors have friends if not their own setup at their house that they can yep. just make it happen Obviously, like it takes more time and it takes more planning and it takes more digging, but like I that's how I was doing it. What was your audition process like for the band's visit? So I graduated in May. I did a show um, out in San Francisco at ACT, A Walk on the Moon for that summer. And then after the summer, I took a cross country road trip back to New York. And I guess it was, I got back in say August and I think in maybe September in the breakdowns there, they were looking for a female uh, offstage standby for all the female roles on yeah. Broadway. And I was like, that is very much me as a human being. I speak mm -hmm. Hebrew, I've lived in Israel. Um, the story is really close, near and dear to my heart. And so I did old school headshot resume drop off to Tara Rubin's office with a little <laughs> note. No, truly with a little note. I that was, love it. Yeah. Hey, back from grad school. They knew me beforehand. I had been okay. in and out of their office a bunch for a lot of stuff. Um, I love, I love, 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 love Tara Rubin's office. Me more. too. Me too. They're like, the best. I couldn't sing their praises any higher. If I <laughs> Peter, Tara, like, I mean, if you're listening, like I'm giving you a virtual hug. Um, <laughs> But they really, they champion artists and actors. They really do. And the craft, they value it. And anyway, so I, I put a little head, like a headshot resume, a little post-it note that was like, hey, graduated with my master's back in New York. Saw your casting for this. These are three reasons why. Call me in. Great. A week later, I had an audition. Went in a couple of times with various material. Um, and then my journey ironically ended with a roller skating callback where we, as us, I don't know if you know the show well, but like, I've seen it and I love it to death. Yeah, and I think that's so funny. Roller skating mm -hmm. around Pearl Studios, just like in one of the large groups, just roller skating. It was, it was a lot. <laughs> and I, was it before this one or the second one? 
think it was before this, maybe it was, I don't remember which, but before one of my roller skating callbacks, I went, there was like, there's only one or maybe two roller rinks in all of New York. And one is just like deep in Brooklyn. Oh, it was this first one. I had not roller skated maybe in, I don't even ever, you know, maybe one, once in my life. Um, I ski, but I was like, I don't really know how to roller skate. Yeah, yeah. So we went to deep Brooklyn to this pier where they roller skate. I was the young, like the oldest person with a bunch of young kids like swirling <laughs> around me. Like, you know, I'm like, I got it. They're like, no, you don't. Like move <laughs> along, Granny. Um, just to even get it in my system. But obviously it was enough. My journey ended then, which I just like to think is because they were waiting for me for the tour. Um, but they called me <laughs> um, a month or so after, um, again, for like Broadway replacement and tour. Um, and I went in, did the same material that I had been doing in the beginning. So I auditioned with an Alanis Morissette song all wow. the time. Um, I'm of the opinion that I want to sing what I want to sing. Even if you ask me for something specific, I'm going to do what I want to do. And if you want to give me material after you learn who I am, then you will. And I don't know if that's right or not, but I think it's worked so far. Um, and then they gave me material and I, yeah. you know, prepped my material. Um, I, I knew a few, know a few people who were in the, uh, Broadway cast and, um, the part that I ended up booking, I knew the girl who played her on Broadway and she ended up helping me with that material too. Wow. Lovely human, Sharon, adore her. That moved along pretty quickly. And then uh, I was called back in for a roller skating final callback and mm. um, a singing and acting final callback. And I booked it, I guess it was in January of, what year are we in, 2020? That was 2019. So January, 2019. Wow. Yeah. And then when did you go off to tour? And we started rehearsals in May 2019, and then we officially opened in Providence in end of June. Hmm. I think that's fascinating, too. You initially went in for the Broadway company, and then mm-hmm. that opportunity came around, and boom. Yeah, I think it it's, I mean, it, it, again, it's sometimes like, you know, we put so much pressure on, like, well, I didn't book that. Okay, well, it's a lot of it probably had nothing to do with you. Obviously, it didn't for me you know if I had taken that personally been like I'm not right well I'm not enough well okay obviously like I wasn't right for that moment I wasn't right for that particular role but I did my work and I showed up and you made a great impression thank you yeah that they were willing to bring me in again to be like okay she wasn't awful she just wasn't right for that (laughs) let's give like Mm -hmm. she was right in some capacity we liked her in the room enough she worked hard whatever it was to bring her back you know so just remembering that like just because you don't I think about it all the time is like, you need to book the room, you know, you're not necessarily booking the job. And if you've yep. done your work and you booked the room, you start to develop relationships of people who are trusting you and they'll continue to bring you back and eventually something will fit. Yeah. So yeah. what were your like favorite stops to, on tour to travel to? Ugh, Greenville, South Carolina. Oh. Yeah, it was, <laughs> I mean, everybody, everybody was like, wait, what? Um, it's just little... <laughs> lovely liberal haven in the middle of the mountains oh yeah um, this adorable main street cute restaurants bars stores the theater was really beautiful the audiences were really receptive mm-hmm. um it was short but sweet um I stayed in the most beautiful airbnb um really loved greenville um i had a great time in dc we were there for yeah. the, the month at the kennedy center Mm-hmm. Um, it was so hot. I mean, it was like swamp land. You would walk out of your apartment and be like, boom, like sticking sweat on your body. Um, I probably never looked like, 
like more like a wet rag in my whole life. <laughs> you know, like if I were dating at the time, like I couldn't be seen by anybody who knew me because God forbid, they're like, are you okay? Um, but DC was really fun. Um, I really loved being in Philly. Uh, I was able to stay with an extended cousin of mine. There are two dogs, which I loved. Um, the food in Philly was beyond surprisingly outrageous. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Um, <laughs> Philly was really cool. Um, what else? Now I'm like blanking. Like, where did I even go? I mean, I've, I've been a lot of places. <laughs> I love Chicago. I yeah. really, you know, I'd never been able to spend time in Chicago. I'd been through it a couple of times, but Chicago was great. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I feel like it's, it was, it's, it's all like a blur right now. Like, what well, were you on it? I mean, were you on it up until the, uh-huh. the coronavirus? Yeah. Okay. yeah, we were in Pittsburgh um, at when everything was kind of bubbling. And even mm-hmm. before that, when we were in St. Louis, um, we had already started like not doing stage dooring. Nobody who was, who was yeah. not a part of the crew or cast was able to come backstage. Like, yeah. you know, things had kind of started um, really being a little bit of a, a murmur. And then um, when we were in Pittsburgh, that's like, I guess the day before we shut down on, I want to say it was like March 12th was our final performance. It was a Thursday night. We had no idea that I was our final. Per- I have no idea that that was my last show. Exactly. Um, but uh I think, think, think the Wednesday, like the day beforehand, like the NBA shut down. And I think that Wednesday, was crazy. And when I heard about that, yeah, you knew everything else was going to shut down. Yeah. And then it was like, okay. And then I think we had heard the grapevine, like maybe My Fair Lady was stopping, like things mm. the tour. So when, once you started to hear about other tours, we're like, okay, the hubbub is also Broadway's going to be shutting down. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. Um, and then it was kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean, it was like rapid. Like Thursday night was our final show. We had no idea. Friday, mm-hmm. they let us know that we needed to go back to the theater to pack up our trunks in any way that we wanted to or get the stuff clean up. And then Saturday, they were bringing us back to our points of origin. So we took a long bus from Pittsburgh back to New York. And then the Sunday, I, that next day, I flew out to LA and I've been here ever since. Um, wow. But technically, yeah, I mean, the majority of us on our, on our contracts, we were supposed to be, we were contracted for the year. So we should have been done end of June, which I guess is now rolling around. So do you, can I ask, is there any more information about about your specific tour that you know of as of now they're hopeful of whenever things are lifted to go back continue okay yeah okay yeah Yeah, because there's a lot of different different things happening with tours just canceling completely postponing i feel like you know in in many ways the band's visit you know they were just beginning to hit its stride there were the huge mark we were supposed to do san francisco in june yeah like there are huge markets that they were not able to hit Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems that these markets are still really interested in bringing them. It's just a matter of like the unknown of when and how it could happen. And yeah, I feel like, you know, a lot of people are, it's a waiting game and also just like a safety game and, you know, not willing to put people at risk and really trying to take their time with figuring it out so that it can all go back and be quote unquote, right. Yeah. Just once, you know, as opposed exactly. to bring people and then bring them back again. With the band's visit, that it doesn't seem quite like a quote-unquote mainstream musical. Correct. Can I ask about your experience bringing that around the United States? And if you've had any stage door experiences with people who are just genuinely happy that you were bringing this culturally beautiful show to life? Uh, yes. Um, again, like this is my first tour, so I don't yeah. really want another one that was quote-unquote more mainstream yeah. to compare it to. But 
there's no way that you can't affect people differently just because it's such a different musical. It's mm-hmm. subtle and in many ways simple. And even, you know, phrase it says in the thing, like nothing happens, you know, like, yeah. So yes. I mean, the amount of people who would come up and be like, I've never seen myself represented on a stage in a way that was not about say violence or politics, you know, in a way that was just about human beings, which Mm. is what this show is like in real talk. We've talked about this as a cast too, but like in many ways, this show can be about literally any community ever. It happens to be set in the Middle East. It happens to have Middle Eastern music in many respects, but it could really be about anyone. And that's what makes it universal. So for a show that, you know, as many people feel is, you know, very much one thing, it actually it's about human beings just simply connecting and love and loss and, 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 you know, what it means to just interact with somebody you might not otherwise interact with and take the time to listen. I think they're really big, like human tropes that we really need more of in the world. So taking it to different places is really, it's quite magical just because it really is a show that can be an ambassador for all those things about the human mm-hmm. connection. Um, and I feel like the majority of people we interacted with were really moved by just even that, you know, even if somebody wasn't of that culture, they got to be like, wow, I didn't realize how much I would connect with it. You know, yeah. people in smaller cities, you can rec- you understand what it's like to be in a small city. You know, there's always something in the show that will allow somebody to intimately connect with it. Um, and in that way, it's just a really powerful vehicle of storytelling. And yeah, I feel really, really privileged and lucky that I got to bring that around. Hmm. That's beautiful. Do you have any uh, touring hacks for someone that wants to go on tour, wants to audition (laughs) for national tours, but given the opportunity, has no idea where to start. Yeah. uh, Get packing cubes. They're the best. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, cubes are a lifesaver. Honestly, in any risk, just have packing cubes and use them all the time. Just like a lot of different types of containers, whether it's like a little felt one or a shoe holder. Everything was just in some sort of container. And I know that seems maybe OCD, which it maybe kind of is, but also... (laughs) you want to be able, you're constantly packing up and opening things up. And if you're there only for a week, it's nice to just say, have like a packing cube of your undergarments that you get to just throw on a shelf right. and out of versus fully unpacking every time. Um, get yourself suitcases that I'd say a hard case wheels that can mm-hmm. be multi-direction, um, but also know that it's going to be banged a lot. And so you should not care about it, but also I'd say, re- I, I'd recommend investing a little bit more for one that you know is going to be a bit more durable Mm. you know obviously having a good set of headphones that are nice for you on an airplane and you know on a bus um and to bring little things that make you feel like you could connect in a space so you know for me i'm i'm a candle person i'm an an incense person and so i had you know a little um diffuser with my little essential oils that would always go in my room you know, the routine of like what you put on your nightstand is like kind of helpful for me. Yeah. Um, again, so that it feels a little bit more like your space. And then just like photos or trinkets or little things, not many, but a few that like you can put up that just reminds you of home or the people that mm-hmm. you love. Um, you know, it can be really isolating and it can be really exhausting. And 
your family is your tour family, but also like any family, you would you crave a break. And so mm -hmm. um, recognizing that taking some alone time or some self-care isn't rejecting other people. They will not hate you. Take some time for yourself to explore and be on your own and uh, re self-generate as often as you can so that you mm. can sustain yourself and what you do and your craft on the road. So helpful. <laughs> I don't know. Just little things. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you mentioned you are a coach as well. When you're not performing, what are your, I hate the term, but survival jobs slash, you know, what have been your survival jobs in the past when you're not performing? Yeah. So now, especially during this pandemic, I've mm -hmm. really, really been able to lean in with, to coaching, which has been incredible. But yeah. Um, even like during tour, I was coaching a ton as well. Yeah. Um, so pre-tour, say pre-grad school, um, I was um, babysitting a lot. Mm -hmm. I nev I, I've never done food industry stuff. Um, yeah. I just know my strengths. I know my weaknesses. Um, one of which is not standing for long periods of time because I have a really not ideal back. <laughs> um, so that for me, it's not something that I'm – I would do, but a lot of babysitting. I was also teaching Hebrew at various um, after school Hebrew schools and like Judaic studies. That yeah. for me was a really good survival job as well. Um, I tried to find things that would pay me more for my time for less time. Yes, ma'am. Um, so I was a part of a bunch of different babysitting agencies, but also had a bunch of families on my own. So that was like my, my big one. And coaching post grad school with the Hebrew school teaching was, a, I mean, I was able to totally make that work and mm -hmm. um on tour and now the coaching thing has been really something that I've been trying to continue to build out Absolutely. um I really love it I love it a lot actually what sort of specific things do you coach on yeah well it kind of all started when I was in grad school there was a mm -hmm. teaching element of our program so we would teach in a downtown high school we would uh, bring awesome. arts to the community there was a teaching component. And I realized like, oh, I actually really enjoy this. I'm a better actor, a stronger actor through teaching because I have to know, I have to be clear about what I'm trying to get across. Absolutely. So it only strengthened me as an artist. Um, and as I was segueing out of grad school, I, st I actually don't even remember like how it first started, but I started teaching, uh, coaching people for um, BFA and MFA auditions. Wow. I don't remember how it all began, but it kind of started spiraling. And I had a bunch of people before I even graduated. And I think a lot of it was that throughout my time in grad school, I acquired this whole massive compilation of monologues. We always had to audition oh, yes. to keep our muscles going. And I was finding monologues for myself, but while I was finding them, I was finding just dope monologues in general and I was keeping them all. Yeah. So I had this massive collection of monologues, which obviously is something that you need to get yourself into a program. And so while I was coaching these people, I, I was able to give them pieces that I felt like really suited them. So that's something that I do now. I do something called monologue sourcing, where I basically get to know a human being as a person, what they love, what they're interested in, what they're passionate about. And then I go off on my own and I hand select like 15 plus pieces for them. That's incredible. Hmm. Yeah. And then we come back together, we basically cold read them and they kind of rank them according to their gut impression as opposed to like the rational brain that's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I perform best, like none of that. And then they go off on their own, they do what they want. Um, if they want to come back and coach the material with me, then great. Um, yeah. So the monologue sourcing has been a really big thing 
recently, especially because I feel like people have the time. Massive to, need for it. Yeah. Yeah. To just, cause it's not with like a goal in mind. It's just a matter of like acquiring material. Mm-hmm. Um, I still do BFA, MFA coaching. So again, that could be, you know, honing the material that you already have. It could be from the ground up of like, let's find the pieces that you absolutely love. Let's do your applications. Let's do yeah. all of that stuff together. So kind of all encompassing for all of that. I do, you know, classic acting the song, um, acting the monologue, scene study stuff. Um, I've been currently teaching a lot of uh, breaking down the text, which I feel like over time I've, I've kind of come up with my own spin on that. But like the best ways in which to break down a piece of material, be it a song, be it a monologue, yeah. be it Shakespeare, some tricks of the trade in terms of doing that fast, doing that at a cold read, doing that at an audition. Um, and I found that to be really, really fun. Um, I've been working with an incredible organization called Broadway Weekends that they, um, they've been, they used to have like adult camps and I was teaching, I was coaching with them um, throughout being on tour at the various stops that they had set up. And now they have moved totally online and there's students who are from the UK, from Russia. I mean, it's wild. Wow. Let's check them out. That's so and cool. I've been teaching a lot with them as well, specifically that course. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like, you know, Shakespeare, I, I really love, um, which I had no knowledge of prior to grad school. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Um, so that's kind of a bit of what I, I do coaching wise. And yeah, while I was on tour, I was able to set up um, a bunch of master classes, either, you know, through the various theaters and or outside at different universities and mm-hmm. programs. Um, and uh, currently I'm, I like, I'm de- I developed with students from a workshop I did back in November. Um, we're doing a month long intensive, like specifically for what they want. So like one week's about like auditions, one week's about the industry and I'm bringing on a casting director. Um, another one is about monologues and songs that like they wanted to bring. And then like another week I'm giving them material specifically for them to work on. So it's just like this really awesome, um, all inclusive masterclass that was specifically built for them. So just trying to find ways that I could be collaborative and also serve and also share what it is that I might have to share. Well, that's a great segue because my final question to you <laughs> is what advice would you give young performers who really want to pursue a career in the theater industry? Recognize first of all, that the theater industry is, even though it's small, it's actually large in terms of the opportunities within it, which hmm. by that, I mean, if the thought of waking up really early and auditioning, maybe not even at all that day, stresses you out, or if the idea of like constantly putting yourself out there stresses you out, that doesn't make you not an actor, that doesn't make you not a singer, that doesn't make you not a dancer, that doesn't make you not a performer. It just perhaps means that you don't want to necessarily do this quote unquote professionally, and that is okay. Hmm. Like, if it serves your heart to like just be performing, then like find ways that you don't have to put yourself in those really stressful situations that allow you to just thrive in that way. And that still makes you an artist. Don't allow other people's definition of what success means be that for you. Like find success for yourself, find happiness for yourself. It's really, 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 really hard what we do. Like, you know, some days are wonderful and some days are awful. And I feel like I've been given some wonderful opportunities and even I feel awful some days, (laughs) like really awful, like more often than not lately, you know, like who knows? Um, But with that in mind, also just, you know, I really, I preach self-care a lot. Um, I feel like 
you know, so much of what we do feels so often like we're giving of ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's not that. It shouldn't be that. It should be more like I'm sharing what, a piece of me, but so often it can feel like that. And you are unable to give anything of yourself or however you want to phrase it, unless you are taking care of yourself. So if self-care means that like you only go on two auditions a week or submit twice a week and that's okay, then great, do that. Or if self-care means that like you go out and treat yourself to dinner three times a week, then great. Or if it means you treat yourself to a massage, amazing. Or if you love candles and you binge on those all the time, like amazing. Like I don't care what it is, but something that gives you and your heart some happiness that's outside of the business um, so that you are able to show up fully when you need to. Um, Mm. And also like, again, the business is big. So like, if you want to, maybe you're not an actor in terms of the hustle. Maybe you want to be a producer. Maybe you want to be a general manager. Maybe you want to be a stage manager. Maybe you want to be, I don't know, like a teacher. Maybe like there are so many aspects of, of the arts. So I'd say be curious about what else you might love within it. If the auditioning part is really, really, really draining on you. And also like, feel free to take a break. Like, I know this is, that's not like, this is not at all a streamlined answer. Like you're (laughs) in the pandemic and here I am just like spinning out of like all the things. But like, you know, if I just remember in grad school, like again, it wasn't a, a singing program and I was not singing like at all really. And I was so worried about, oh my God, what was going to happen? Like when and if I sang again, yeah. I like, I'm not going to remember anything. My technique is going to be gone. Meanwhile, I've been singing since I was seven, you know, like that's like, <laughs> it's not going more. anywhere. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. So it's just like forgetting, like not giving myself enough credit for the fact that I know what I'm talking about. And I, my, my body knows what it's doing to trust my body. And if anything, when I came back to singing again, my voice sounded so much better than it had because I gave Mm -hmm. it a second to just like simply exist and not have to work so hard. Um, That was a really long rant. (laughs) I don't know. Was there anything in there? Did I even say anything? Um, There was a million things in there. I'm screaming. There were a million things. I mean, so important to know. You touched on a lot of different things there too. When it comes to the hustle, the quote unquote hustle, when it comes to giving yourself a break and self-care. And I think those are the most important things that you need to even be worrying about right now. Agreed. Agreed. Oh, agreed. A hundred thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if self-care moves to the top of that list, like. Then let it. (laughs) Please let it. Please let it. Jennifer, thank you. I'm so glad I finally got to meet you virtually. (laughs) Hopefully I'll get to see you sometime soon in person. This was so lovely. Thank you for having me. Thank you for sharing artists with other artists and like opening your time and space and energy for this. I feel like it's an incredible, you know, resource that you are providing and I feel very privileged that you are mm. even <laughs> somehow I don't know I made <laughs> somehow I made the cut no you're somehow. I mean I really I really do love your story too I think it's I just I'm still stuck on on going back to school for an MFA because I think that's so neat you mentioned very briefly that you were like and I didn't know anything about Shakespeare prior to my MFA oh my and God. I'm sure so many people can relate to that, you know, especially when you, even if you went to a BFA program, you don't, you know, you're not going to be spending all that time. So I just love hearing everyone's stories. And I think yours is so special. And so thank you for sharing it. Thank you. Yeah. I hope you stay safe and healthy. (laughs) Thank you. Candle. 
really <laughs> that's the final part of don't mine. even get me started my mom has the biggest obsession with candles oh, so well, she well. is thriving right now well thank you jennifer you're awesome <laughs> thank you all right bye my dear see ya If you've enjoyed today's episode and you found it helpful, I would love it if you could screenshot it, tag at Actor Aesthetic, and share it to your Instagram stories so that I can see who is following along with me there. If you haven't already, please be sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, and also hit that subscribe button so that you can join me every single week for a brand new episode of the Actor Aesthetic podcast. Until then, this is Maggie Barrow signing off. It takes a village. I'll see you next week.